0: Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are tuned to the MC Lars podcast. This is episode 99. It is Monday, July 20th, 2020. And this week, we have a dear friend of mine, Sean Levin. Uh, Before we get into that, I wanted to announce that the Bible LP is out. 100% of the profits from the Bible LP are going to the Black Organizing Project, which is a black member-led community organization that works for racial, social, and economic justice through grassroots organizing and community building in Oakland, California. So any dollar you put or any streaming you put into this will go towards them. I thought that would be a tight idea. Let's first thank the MC Lars Patreon Those are the homies who support this project on Patreon. If you want to hear my Marble songs, I have like over 100 jams at patreon.com slash mclars. I drop two new songs a month, which you haven't heard. Uh, I'm about to drop my Thor Ragnarok song and then my Ant-Man and the Wasp song. But I want to shout out the old Patreon Larsians. Z. Tainzo. Bo Lewis. What's up, Bo? I went to college with you. Love you, bro. And Richard Sheldon. Shout out to the new ones. Annie. William and jordan so if you sign up you get a shout out you get merch if you sign up at a certain level you get access to my entire catalog so yeah just stuff maybe you haven't heard uh let's get into it this is this week's letter to atlas and every week i play a message our son is now two and a half months old he's doing great he's finally sleeping which makes all the difference which helps me get a lot more done and then when he's awake i'm very happy to see him if you want to leave a message to our son the secret number is 510-463-4237. That's 510-463-4237, and I might play it on the podcast. This week's letter to Atlas comes from the average homeboy, Denny Blazing Hazen, and when we we'll were trying to have a kid... I was telling him about our journey. So he said some nice stuff. So here we go. Is he sleeping? Is he pooping? Is he pooping? Just checking in? How's, How's the little, little boy doing? These are some messages that, that you left. Wishing our little baby boy the best. Now it's time for Letters to Atlas. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey, Atlas. My name is Denny and Your dad is a friend of mine. For a long time, I prayed that your dad would be blessed with a child. Now that prayer has been answered. God gave your dad a huge blessing, and that is you. I wish you the best and keep making your dad proud. Oh, and you just got blazed. Y'all remember the average homeboy? He had that viral video in like 2006, and then he was on Tosh Point. Oh, he gave me a shout-out because he's a good guy. Thank you, Danny. I love you, bro. Hopefully, I'll see you when we're back in Cleveland later this year, if that indeed happens. The con on the cob. What's up with tour plans? Well, I might be going out on tour in the spring with the uh, Nerdcore guys, and I might be doing a UK tour next summer. So stay tuned, because that's all very, very exciting, and we don't know the details. Hopefully, this COVID stuff will be over soon, but uh, let's get into it. This week, we have Sean Levin. Now, Sean is a dude I've known since I was in fourth grade. We actually recorded this on April 7th, so like at the beginning of the pandemic. We were in a band together called Horace. And later, um, Horace became the name of my label, Horace Records. And at first, I was MC Lars Horace. So we talked about the origin of the band. There were like seven or eight people in this band because it was the era of ska. I didn't want to tell people, no. We had three guitarists, which was maybe too much, um, two percussionists. I mean, we were. it was a fun little project, but it was a learning experience. But everyone got together every weekend, and we rehearsed, and we played four shows only, and we talk about this. We're going to hear a song from one of our... Last shows, actually, from our last show, we played New Year's Eve Festival. Um, Sean's mom is awesome and she got us into stuff like Grateful Dead. Her, one of her boyfriends got us into Ice Cube. We tell a funny story about that. We talk about the time we went to see ICP in March of 2000 in Palo Alto. And we talk about the early years of file sharing. We talk about our trips to New York for our radio conference where I saw MC Paul Barman, I met Wesley Willis, I met uh, Jonas Hall from King Missile, we heard Chuck D talk. It was like such a huge formative weekend. And Sean was with me through like all the beginnings. So I think he's a very important part of my story and uh, he's a good friend. And he was the first person to really get me into Paul Barman. He bought me that first CD. It's very stimulating. And that made me realize that like rap could be nerdy and weird and esoteric. As long as it was smart and had a lot of heart, so I love you, Sean. It was really special to be able to talk to him. He worked at he's worked at Google. He does a lot of like product design stuff. It's kind of confusing because his career is very unique. He explains what he does. Um, one of my favorite parts of the show is we talk about our wilderness trip we did sophomore year, which is like a two week trip where they dump the sophomores out in the middle of the Big Sur wilderness. We hiked eighty miles. We had a, a teacher with us who kind of led the way and two seniors, um, but we were in the same group. So that was that was a life changing trip. So without much further ado, this is my interview with my longtime friend, Sean Levin, one of my first ever musical collaborators and a great dude. He lives up in Seattle. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Sean Levin, an old friend from all the way back since fifth grade I've known you, and we are doing this remote podcast because I saw you at, you came to our show, and I was like, I want to talk to you about the history of our friendship and our musical collaborations, and I'm wondering, Sean, do you do a lot of podcast interviews, or is this one of your first?
1: This, this is, this is my first podcast interview, I'm proud to say.
0: How is everything in Seattle with the, uh. COVID-19 right now.
1: Everyone's taking it seriously and staying inside. And, and um, you know, we wave to our neighbors from across the street, but that's about it. Um, I've got some friends who are working the ER. And so I've been keeping in touch with them. And, and for the most part, they're saying it's busy, but it's not they're not overwhelmed yet.
0: Why was Seattle such an early city that had got hit hard? Is it because of the cruise ships or why do you think?
1: Yeah, there was a there was a retirement home um, that was kind of uh, the the main reason for the initial jump in cases. Um, and that was just uh, north northeast of the city, um, really close to where I used to work. And so the cases went up right at the beginning there because people started testing positive. Um, but then after that, like people locked down right away. And, and like my office said, no, everyone go home.
0: So you've been working uh, remotely for what, three weeks? We took a vacation
1: right when like the news started to hit and, um, and we were in Hawaii and then came back and everyone was like, okay, all right. things are going to happen. And, um, and then I had to go to business trip and Seattle wasn't locked down yet. And so I flew back to Seattle from my trip Dropped some stuff off at my office and have not left the house since. Where were you born? Oh man, I was born in Humboldt County on a goat farm, in an airstream trailer, on a, in a field of thistles. So like, wait, wait where in Humboldt County? Uh, Fortuna, Fortuna, California.
0: Okay, I've been there. Yeah, just south of Eureka.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely haven't <laughs> been back since. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know. You've you've met my folks. You, that's pretty much uh, on brand for them.
0: Did she give birth in the trailer?
1: Um, they had a garage built onto it, so it was kind of like a semi-house, semi-trailer type of deal. My mom is like, oh, all the animals came out and were like, it is dawn and there was animals surrounding the trailer. I don't know what actually happened, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's what it sounds like.
0: How long were they living up there?
1: They went their separate ways and... and um, we, were, we ended up in Santa Rosa for a while, and then in Davis. Davis, when well, my mom went to college. But yeah, we were in Seaside, Salinas, PG, Monterey, all over. Carmel Valley for a little while.
0: Right. I remember going to your house in um, Seaside. When I yeah. first met you, I think that's where you were living.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: She was encouraging and supportive of all our creativity, like making <laughs> prank calls and all the fun, silly stuff we would do at your house because you had like a, a cool mom. Yeah.
1: She was, Oh, those silly boys on the phone with, (laughs) who I don't know who they're talking to.
0: Like what was the draw of the peninsula other than it being beautiful and stuff?
1: She, I know the intention was then to get her graduate degree or her marriage, marriage, family child therapist license. And that required a degree. Yeah. Um, And she went to, um, Chapman in Monterey, they had a campus. Our first place was actually like two blocks away from the aquarium. Yeah, because I went to the the, um, Monterey Public Elementary School before going to Stevenson in third grade.
0: So I joined y'all in sixth grade there at the school. So for some context, Stevenson is like a prep school in Pebble Beach and they have a campus in Carmel that's like very small, very strict, very uniforms great arts and dance and theater and like but definitely a world that is just so not the real world just
1: this little just this little microcosm in the forest it's like you're you know you're you're driving down highway one and all of a sudden like you turn off and, and in the trees is like yeah it's almost like a little it was like a little hobbit village back then i don't, I don't think it right. is now but i <laughs> i don't know i haven't been back really um yeah but yeah like and these little classrooms that you would you know, have to, I mean, half the camp, most of the campus was outdoors. So it was like running from awning to awning during the rainy season, right? Do you remember having to do that?
0: Um, but we had a gr- some great teachers like um, Chris West and and Miss Patsy. Like I remember you really excelled in theater and like dance especially.
1: Yeah, the arts there were really like pretty formative for me and, and, and you know, for you and for a lot of people that we spend a lot of time with. Um, ha- being able to do dance that early and like understand like there's you know the there's there's athleticism in something like ballet changed my entire outlook on life I think.
0: And they do these elaborate productions at the end of this year or spring, right?
1: I don't remember why this was the case but I remember for Mary Poppins they weren't able to get their hands on the script. And so I remember after class, seeing them watch the movie and hand write the
0: script. One of us could have probably found a free transcription on, online if they asked like the nerds, who were you in Mary Poppins? Uncle Albert.
1: Yeah, because we had that and then and then the Mikado, right? That's what's up. But I had the famed fall on stage, which haunted me for like my entire high school career. Do you remember that?
0: You fell off a thing or what happened?
1: There was a bunch of people in the audience. And I remember even showing my my dad. He wasn't at the show, um, but I showed him the video, and he like rewound it and played it over again. <laughs> and Nick and Ian were were the two other leads.
0: You and me and Ian hung out a lot, and he was um definitely hyperactive, funny, cool, <laughs> yeah. weird kid who you knew way before me because I had visited in fifth grade, but I didn't yeah. or fourth grade, and then I came in sixth grade so what year did ian join
1: um either fourth or fifth and and yeah we we hit it off really well and and um his parents were super nice to me and and so okay we spent a ton of time together
0: okay so let's talk about our first band for sure so this band that you and i started and had a rotating cast of people was kind of really formative for me and um Fun, and you were always like really good sport about it. And let's talk about your memories of it first. And we only played four shows. I want to preface that. We only had four total shows. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, but I, how many, uh, how many guitarists did we have at one time? I think, I think we had three and a bassist, but I got to sit and, and hold a guitar while I sang and not actually play anything. So I think that makes it fourth, right? Oh,
0: we did like as a joke.
1: I, I had a guitar with me. Um, maybe not at the first night show, but at, at least at least one of our shows I did. Uh-huh. And then I, I remember f- feeling really uncomfortable about singing without having something in my hands, uh-huh. which like I still to this day, I, I like what I, I play the ukulele and and um, and I like to sing and play. But if I'm ever not holding something, I'm like super uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and so I remember like practicing in the garage and and just holding my guitar and being like, just. Andrew, tell me one note that I can play sometime.
0: <laughs> right. That was the first electric guitar I'd ever played, even though it wasn't plugged in. Like I remember going to your house and just playing it and be, and, and feeling the weight of it. And like yeah. it was just so cool to have a friend with an electric guitar, you know? Totally.
1: I remember a few practices in the Seaside House. That's when Ian was in the band. And I like I see I have pictures of like me and you and Ian and Ben on the bongos. Right what did Ian play? Ian was playing bass before Chris did. So this have been like sixth grade we had Tyler on guitar <laughs>
0: Dan Myers his Tyler's friend who became our friend
1: and like they would just jam together and it was like oh that's cool what what are we playing?
0: Yeah. Dad didn't read sheet music and uh, he's very talented. I was very meticulous writing the charts. Like I kind of made it a thing to like keep all eight people or whatever on task <laughs> yeah. Um, and schedule practice. And everyone was really disciplined, especially once we got to high school and got like our first paying show. Totally.
1: Wait, <laughs> did we get paid for that show?
0: Well, it was like 60 bucks for all of us. I think I gave everyone like $5, yes. right? <laughs> nice. So that was yeah. like, yeah, still, I've had shows where I get paid, where I've been paid $60 now, <laughs> so, <laughs> like on bad door deals. Then Dan Dubois, seventh grade, he came and played, he actually played a, dr- a full drum kit. Uh,
1: so he was in the band. I remember he played drums, but I wasn't sure. Okay, so he did, he was in the band. And then we had- um,
0: Leah Hewlett. Yeah. And then one other one, right? Um, Leah's friend- PJ McCombs. Oh, right. Yeah. PJ pj who later i did shows with and recorded with and yeah so it was the seven of us and that it was like a thing like we didn't want to tell people no they couldn't be in the band which was fine seven people is fine it was like years of ska so that was like not abnormal even though we weren't a ska (laughs) band we had some kind of ska influenced stuff but
1: party on the moon man party on the moon i remember like playing that for i don't know friends of my mom's and and them just like I don't know if they were pretending to love it or actually loving it, but it was, it was a fun song.
0: Well, at the end of this, I want to do, I always play a song and I think it'd be cool to play like one of the versions of that. I never had a talent of singing on pitch. I could write (laughs) lyrics and play chords, but you and I could have rhythm, but we had a really cool working relationship where like, I'd write a song, kind of sing the melody like poorly and you'd hear it and make it awesome and change it and like, make it better. And like, that was always fun. Like we had probably did like six or seven songs together Mm -hmm. like that, that were all, I think, they hold up. Like yeah. t- let's talk about that.
1: Uh well I I remember um, I remember like riding the bus with you sometimes and having like you would you would be writing songs and and yeah we just kind of like hum hum them out and figure figured out like uh yeah. remember
0: that song? Jerk you're jerk a jerk yeah jerk you're a jerk Oh yeah. man
1: that was I, to this day I still hum that song sometimes.
0: Didn't I remember I sent you that version of that British dude our friend Richard he covered it. Oh yeah.
1: I t- <laughs> <laughs> totally so good
0: he did a good job
1: shad richard and then i remember um like us trying to write parodies of some songs and like they always right. always ended up being like pretty vulgar or like really inappropriate and like people on the bus going what are they, what are those kids talking about we're writing we're writing a song guys it's fine we're being artistic
0: <laughs> like um remember Mbop? we did a song about hail
1: yeah 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 hail Bop. And Rolls, of course, <laughs> right? Rolls is still like... That was the... Classic. Yeah.
0: So Rolls, so that was our first ever sh- show, right? We had... So it's a parody of the song Good by Better Than Ezra, and in True Weird Al-inspired fashion, we changed the words and made it about a guy who loves eating and staying at home.
1: Do do recordings of that exist anywhere?
0: Oh, yeah. And a vid- I have a video of it.
1: You have a video? Oh, But wow. it's
0: funny, dude, Sean, it was... Funny watching all the rehearsals because like we were so hyper and throwing drumsticks and like I'd always hit Chris's hand while he was playing the bass <laughs> parts like a jerk. Sorry, Chris, if you're listening. Yeah. And um, and then on the video of us playing, we were so subdued and serious and like trying to be like we early were 90s run. We so nervous. Like <laughs> our first live thing. But the thing about the talent show is kids would lip sync to whatever, lip sync to what was big in the yeah, '90s, Macarena or something. But here we came with our real instruments, doing this expertly crafted parody, where we had to be on time and, and you sang on pitch, and it was, it was just like, that was fun, man. I'll never. That was one still my favorite performance memories.
1: It was super fun. I still remember it. I I think I even remember some of the other acts that didn't. Somebody do like an Op Ivy cover.
0: Yeah, Ian's brother and and. Yeah, and Lucchese, David. David Lucchese.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing that in the gym.
0: What is the song? Time bomb, yeah. or and it was like we had to wear uniforms, but for a talent show, I wore like my grunge cut off jeans. I remember you wore like a tie dye shirt, maybe in purple glasses. <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah, we. I, I don't think we quite had yeah. the like the stage, uh, stage clothing down because I remember at our first night set, what we, we were like, no. let's go to Goodwill and buy like suits or something. I
0: Turks, yes, old used suits, but yeah. like.
1: None of them really worked out quite right.
0: No, I mean, we are but not everyone dressed up in suits, too. That's the thing. Like some people like PJ, which wore a striped sweater. Right. <laughs> I mean.
1: I think I still have my original Insectivorous CD somewhere. Like a
0: sticker, like to put a stamp on yeah. the CD. We would do these like parodies and songs and we never really released or sold the music. It just was for us, Mm-mm. really, which was why it was fun.
1: I never really remember thinking like, oh, man, like I can't wait to, yeah, like put this on a CD and do something with it. I just like it was just fun. To play music and to get together and play, you know, and, and um it's one of the things like I still to this day, I don't do it very often, but when I when I do, it's like it's such a it's such a wonderful thing. It's a, you know, a, a beautiful like release to just like play music and, and enjoy playing. You get to do it all the time. I don't get really get to do it much anymore, but um it it really started then, uh, and I think it, <laughs> it's still I remember it to this day, like that, that's why I like it.
0: It's uh, it's something that like always gave us a reason to all get together. And it was like our crew. Right. And it was like mm-hmm. I, something pure about that. Cause it was just for the love of it. And you were always a supportive friend because you'd let me kind of lead. But then when it came time to, to do shows, you were the front man, but like it was okay <laughs> because you had the talent and like, but you would, you would kind of validate my creative ideas. You'd be honest with me. You'd let me know, like you would give me feedback if the words were wrong on the paper and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, um, the uh, And your mom is a musician too I remember you, you played me something where she sang On a tr- track like harmonies or something Right? She's musical talent
1: She, yeah, she s- used To sing a bit um, She was played with a group called Geist, um, which is uh, Friends of ours, they were actually At our first night show um, uh, uh, Diana uh, Diana and Teed um, Diana Stork and Teed Rockwell um, and they, she plays the harp and he plays, uh, back then he played an instrument called the Chapman stick. Um, he now it's, it's kind of morphed. He plays an instrument called the war guitar. It's essentially a very, um, a, the neck of a guitar, except with, you know, 24 strings or something like that. And, and you tap with both hands, um, along the neck of the guitar to play, um, the notes. It's, it's a beautiful instrument. Um, and yeah, way back when they had, um, a, a track i don't remember what it was called but my mom sang on it and it was yeah it was it was very nice um and i think she played a couple shows with them um and i you know i growing up like that was always there was always music around in the house
0: yeah i remember mean, she had big speak two big like old school speakers in the living room <laughs> yeah they were like huge
1: yeah in true in true like deadhead fashion <laughs> it was like the speakers were very important, but the, the sound quality on the tapes were terrible. So,
0: <laughs> Right. you're Yeah, She, I remember she was in The Grateful Dead, and I remember I learned about them through you and the, the whole, like, <clears throat> Dick's Picks bootlegs, right? Yeah. And um, nowadays, you don't yeah. want to get a yeah. Dick pick, <laughs> but Dick's Picks then.
1: No, <laughs> no definitely not. Yeah, I, you know, as a, as a kid, I remember my dad was really into it more than she was um, back then, but... Yeah, I remember hearing that as a kid and going like, "Oh yeah, Dick's Picks." That's some guy named Dick, and he picks the music. And right, and then like I, I stopped paying attention, and then came back to it, and I was like, "Whoa, that's poor choice in words." Right,
0: um, they would always let people like bootleg like, their shows, and that was like a that was a cool thing about like early file sharing in a way, like share our music, right? We don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's actually a really interesting. Um, kind of parallel to the music sharing that we grew up with, right? Like they did, you know, they allowed people to, to plug directly into their soundboards and, and get pretty great recording quality. You know, I and I made that joke about the tape quality, but that was usually because tapes were copied 10 times over, yeah. but like the original recordings were really good. And, um, and there was this huge network um, of, of people trading tapes that my dad was super into and now it's all online and, and it, and it kind of mimics what we used to do way back when, but like it was, you know, it was done by mail and by, you know, like yeah. people, I don't even, I don't even know how people would get, get tapes from each other. I think it was like they met at shows and, yeah, man. and like you trade Trade and illicit tapes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was te- some for some bands, it wasn't legal. And that's how like the Jerky Boys kind of became this underground thing. And how I was, I would trade tapes with uh, mm-hmm. online. And like that's how I got people would send me tapes. And I remember that's how I got into ICP early and like was, it br- oh, really we all kind of coalesced around that as they got bigger and bigger. But yeah, like, like Ringmaster, the first ICP show I ever went to <laughs> was with you, John Bell, and Cindy,
1: right? Yeah and your mom and cindy yeah and my mom <laughs> in the back man that i uh what a memory did i send you C- cindy sent gave me some pictures of that when i saw her i saw her in hong kong yeah. and we were talking about that show and and sh- i think she sent me some photos of that
0: in our in our juggalo makeup <laughs>
1: crazy show so much fun though like i yeah um and by the way uh I haven't caught up on all the Hatchet chats, but the ones I've listened to are, are awesome.
0: Thank you, Sean. I want to do, do an episode when I do the the clowns from Outer Space. I'm going to talk about that show, and probably it'd be cool to show those pictures yeah. like in the YouTube video.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be tight. Absolutely. <laughs> twisted Open for them. Is that right? Yeah, Twisted, so which to, was we, we that got, got to see, see them. Totally twisted. Yeah. yeah, totally.
0: So tight. Um, at the Icon in Palo Alto, which isn't there anymore. And mm-hmm. I remember t- talking to these people who had came from like Bakersfield or something. And they're like, so are you guys from Palo Alto? And we're like, nope. And they're like, oh, oh, so you guys aren't richies. That's good. And we were like, <laughs> uh. "Like, do you remember that? These scary old adults were like judging us if we were from this right. rich town, which we weren't. We were just from a different rich town.
1: Yeah, totally. But we, we weren't going to tell them that.
0: <laughs> i was like uh no we aren't from here oh good
1: there were so many good musical venues in the area. these tiny venues that aren't you know they're not there anymore but like
0: you know slim's is, slim's just closed do you know that I, th- I heard
1: that yeah and um yeah i remember there was some like in santa cruz i don't remember where it was but palookaville that place was killer and that
0: doesn't that's not there anymore right no it's like a restaurant now yeah <laughs> It's hard. Well, here's the thing. Like with the music business, bigger bands will play just San Francisco than maybe Santa Barbara, but usually L.A. It's rare to play San Francisco and Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do that? You usually
1: hit Santa Cruz when you go through, right? Or do you not?
0: I, the last time I did both was probably 2011. Honestly, I usually do San Francisco and L.A. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that. But like the interesting culture of the Bay of the central coast was like, you're right. The legacy of like the grateful dead and like the sixties and the hippie music and the jazz and being close to the Bay area. Oh yeah. Um, I remember my first introduction to like real rap was when your mom's ex-boyfriend frog gave you CDs that I bought from you. Those ice cube, <laughs> the ice cube CD, <laughs> America's most wanted and death certificate.
1: I got, I got so much trouble. <laughs> Did he? Because did, I I don't know. Did I I sold them to you? I gave
0: I gave you twenty bucks. I bought them both for That's ten dollars right. because I'd sold Ian my PS, well, not PS, my Game Gear, and every for like hundred right. bucks. And every week he'd give he'd bring me twenty dollars his allowance for like and, five weeks. So I was like, Sean, let me buy <laughs> those from you. Do you remember? And it's that? so
1: funny because so he gave me a couple a couple CDs, um, and it was those two Ice Cube CDs and the Chronic. Which Woo! for whatever reason I decided, like, oh, I, I, I want to keep the chronic, but you can have the ice cube because, like, I didn't, I didn't really give him a full listen. I, I heard the chronic one, uh, like all the way through, and I was like, oh, this is my new favorite album. Period. <laughs> this is this is it. Um, and I, I kind of regretted that because I didn't really get exposed to. that. I listened to him a few times, but um,
0: there's that diss about him. There's that that. Cube disc right on the on the Chronic
1: yeah, <laughs> it, that, yeah that's <laughs> yeah maybe I heard that and I was like oh well, screw this guy I don't want to listen to him I'm gonna I'm sticking with Dre well,
0: the Chronic's a better record than those two but the Ice Cube records are iconic and I remember your mom ca- frog called my house and be like uh just want to let you know <laughs> our you know our, my <laughs> girlfriend's son gave you these sold these CDs to you're right blah blah blah. And so it was like this question of did he was he mad cuz he wanted like he wanted them back cuz I remember you never got them back I still have them.
1: I don't know. I I imagine that it was like yeah he gave them to me and then I turned around and and sold them. And that's a bit of a betrayal of trust, right? Um
0: He's trying to get you into new music.
1: I mean I I get why he was upset. It makes sense. Um But it's good you still have them. And yeah, like the <laughs> chronic Char- is definitely a better album, but they're still like those are, those are quintessential, Cube, right? Like,
0: <laughs> right, definitely, and they're definitely foul. I think he was trying to warn my parents that like it was not oh, appropriate, yeah. and because, uh, oh, that it was,
1: and somehow he was like, it's okay if Sean has him, <laughs> but like nobody else. No, that was a thing.
0: Yeah, like I just want like wanted to warn you about the content on them because I had a conversation with Sean about how they are inappropriate. Uh, and so you, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, I, I I you were always on the cutting edge of stuff like that. And I remember you'd be on Hot Hotline was that the program? Yeah. The ser- Hotline, and you had a server yeah. and you'd ha- had all the wares and rare MP3s and Eminem freestyles. Yep. You yeah. remember that? Yeah.
1: Dude, the hot, hotline, I don't know what happened to that little community. I, after I stopped using it, I never really looked back. Um, but, it, you know, it was when Napster was becoming popular, and, and it was this, like, little more underground thing. But it's it was hugely popular, but I have no idea what ended up happening with it.
0: It was Mac native, I feel like. It was a Mac server. And at the time,
1: nobody had Macs, so...
0: And you were the only pe- people I knew who had a Mac that was. Remember, they were licensing their software to like other manufacturers. You had like a really yeah. awesome Mac, but it was like licensed. What would you remember? I that had a mid-
1: I, I had the a Motorola. So they licensed it to two companies, Motorola and I don't remember the other one. Um, but we got one of the Motorola ones, and they were they were pretty solid. They were. Um, it was just like you could get more bang for your buck, basically. Um, yeah. But our first Mac was we had a Quadra 605 and then, and then the next one was the Motorola one. And that's the one that it was mine, like that lived in my room. Um, it was so and, yeah, fast. It was, was like
0: so good. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah, the thing with Hotline was if you wanted to um, connect to multiple individual servers, you had to open up a new client. So I would open up 12 oh. Hotline <laughs> clients. And so you had to run them all simultaneously.
0: And it was dial-up, right? Or did you have like ISDN or Ethernet? It was dial-up,
1: right? Uh, we had I we had uh, we had dial-up for a while. Maybe when we moved to PG, we got yeah we got something better. But it was dial-up for most of the time. It definitely <laughs> in in seaside. That's what's
0: up. Um, that's cool shot. Okay, so let's talk about. So we played. So here are the four shows that we played. The two talent shows. We played that like singles party at our friend's mom's trailer park in Pacific Grove. Do you remember this? The Christmas party. Wait. For parents. It was Christmas like a warm up for the New Year's. It was like someone had like a singles get together.
1: Uh, it was a mom- a sing- it was a singles get together. I think the 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 singles get together part of it was totally went over my head. I had no idea that's what was going on. <laughs>
0: And, and that was Monarch Pines Trailer Park of Civic Grove, like their their um social room. Someone okay. hooked that up. Someone had a party there and needed a band. So we played for free. And um,
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining. Do you remember this? The the people there going like, what are we listening to?
0: No, I mean, we were, you know, the everyone was like jazz trained. So we were able to do the instrumental stuff. But like, I remember I was like, I had this song I wanted to do solo minute. So I'd get out my guitar and sing this song about how you can't go back to Disneyland, like a sad song about childhood. Oh yeah.
1: And didn't we all like, we all left the stage, right? That was your, like, that was your solo bit.
0: And then I was like, all right, everyone. All right. You guys could please stop talking or okay. Keep talking if you want. I said that and it got real awkward and I sang the song. Like, (laughs) did you really? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, not, do you have a recording of it? I don't, I have demos of that song, but out of key, and whatever. And I remember this smart-ass <laughs> dude, older man, goes, I don't care what he says. I'm still going back. He yelled that out <laughs> in the background. I was like, all right. But man, not reading the room, like, oh, like, any time, like, this is our time to shine. Okay, it's my sad song about childhood at this Christmas party, leaving leave childhood. Um, and then New Year's Eve, which was, I feel like, such an epic, wonderful night. Like, that was, let's talk about first night real quick.
1: Well, and, and you still play First Night, right?
0: Yeah, I played it. Or,
1: or did you stop?
0: No, I played it new, last New Year's Eve. I took a few years off, and I, there's a few years I haven't okay. done. But most years since 98, probably like eight, 80% of them, that has been my New Year's Eve thing with MC Lars. Awesome. <laughs> All because of us, Sean.
1: It's great. It's Yeah, that show, I remember it was, yeah, we were in a, a wasn't it like a gym, right? It was called The
0: Scout House. It was where the Boy Scouts met.
1: Right, and there was maybe thirty people. What do you think?
0: Yeah, but it was all our parents. Maybe like fifty. It was right. our parents and their friends, and that's what I realized. Having eight people in your band means that people are going to come because everyone wants to support their teenage kids on New Year's Eve. Totally. I also
1: remember we had a we had a set list, and I was really, really. I still am really, really bad at remembering words. Right, okay. like I can sing along to songs. I can. I, I memorized the melody, no problem, um, but lyrics, I'm just terrible. And there were so many remembering what the words. Are. And and so I remember I had to have music in front of me, which is like I think I had a music stand. Which for just the singer to have a music stand was I, I felt a little embarrassed by. It. But I, I I don't in retrospect I, I don't think it mattered. Um, but yeah, that show was. I think we
0: all had music, the charts and the chords.
1: Yeah, probably. Um, and I we played for like I feel like we played for like 30 45 minutes right
0: how long was the set no I think we played three 45 minute sets man <laughs> because no. because they wanted us to do three or three half hour sets yeah definitely because we had two sets we had a break and then um yeah and huh. this is something else I learned they were willing to provide the sound and they and they asked, do you need production? And Fred side, his dad had all the speakers because yeah. he worked at the Naval postgraduate school. Yeah. So Fred set up the speakers, ran sound, and I didn't realize just tell a venue you don't have a PA. I want it to be really accommodating and set <laughs> up the sound system for them.
1: So we could have just said, no, we don't have sound and they would do it for us.
0: I think they would have. Yeah. And, and so, and they're
1: like, they're looking at it like, wait, these high schoolers have their own sound guy. Okay. No. I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah. <or> whatever. <laughs> um, so did we
1: yeah. play the did we play the same set 3 times or did we play did we have an hour and a half of of content
0: We had it was the, pretty much the same except changing a little bit or repeating a few songs but yeah it was okay. pretty much the same set So that's why I'll send you I have MP3s of the um of that show I'll send you if you want them because it's it, uh, yeah
1: And I remember we had we we played a few covers right didn't we we did Oh uh, yeah we did Our Lady Peace right Superman's Dead Yeah that
0: was dope you sounded good on that.
1: It's still one of my favorite. Yeah, I love that song. A little out of my range.
0: And drama, rama, any, yeah! anything, anything. That was a great cover. I love that yeah. song, man. Yeah. yeah, and then and then we didn't do any parodies because we were in our serious high school years. I remember Tyler Wood shot to him. He didn't wasn't trying to do parodies. He was like, "That's not the kind of project this is." And I was like, "All right, don't want to piss off the second guitar player." <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, we're not gonna do parodies. That's it. Yeah, do you remember Tyler had that? Um, beautiful guitar.
0: That he sold. He he said he sold that guitar right? and he doesn't play anymore. He doesn't play? Oh man. That dude is a beast musically. And um I guess he's he has a gallery now in in New York, like an art gallery. Cuz you both went to college in Chicago, right? You and Tyler. We did. Yeah.
1: Um and Nick as well. Um he was at Northwestern and Tyler was at Northwestern. Um I was at DePaul and we we hung out. I don't think the three of us ever hung out, but I hung out with the uh, with him a couple times, not a ton. Um, Chicago is. I think anytime you're in college, it's like leaving your campus area is a big
0: deal. Right. Right.
1: Um, so, yeah, we we hung out a little bit, but not a ton. Um, and I catch up with him, you know, once every like five years. Last time I saw him was at Ben's wedding, um, and that was awesome. That's what's up. Um, but we haven't. I haven't talked much since, but yeah, dude was always yeah musical genius.
0: And he liked really like Frank Zappa, jamming, Moody Blues, like really musical stuff. Where like I feel you and I kind of like more punk stuff. You maybe like more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you you kind of were into trance music for a while.
1: Oh man, <laughs> so into trance, so into <laughs> trance music. And
0: soul coughing, which you would play on your show and your radio show, and um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, whenever I hear El Oso, I, I think about you had your show was Friday night or Saturday night. So I did. Um, let's see. Oh,
1: before I was morning shows, I did the evening show with Ian. He and I did. Um, yeah, it was it was Friday or Saturday night, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, honestly, like that station is is got me exposed to so many different um Musicians that I never would have heard otherwise. Uh, yeah, it was. That's what's up. And uh, you were a big part of that. And uh, remember when we went to CMJ? Hell
0: yeah, yeah, that
1: was awesome. Do you remember, uh, Chuck D was the um, was the keynote.
0: <laughs> yeah, good memory, man. Yeah, that was that would have been senior year, right? I think so. Or, or sophomore year, senior where we met Wesley Willis and and saw Paul, Paul Barman. Barman.
1: Yeah, that that yeah. trip was that trip was a killer. Like uh, one of the most interesting musical weekends or whatever it was weeks that I've had. Uh, and I remember Chuck D's so dope. And they, speech. He started yeah. off by talking about how hungover he was. And now it's like, oh, what a jerk. But at the time, I was like, what a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, that's true. I really, I kind of knew who Public Enemy was, but I didn't realize that that they were so. I now I'm like, dang, that was cool to hear him talk about right. how illegal downloading was dope in, in in the late '90s. To have him do, to hear him do a speech, totally, yeah, about
1: that. to talk about. It's pretty dope. And was not that before he was, because he was like the official Napster spokesperson for a while, right?
0: Yeah, he was definitely on their um, side for sure. Probably around that man because Napster was around that.
1: Uh, we saw King Missile, too, on that trip, didn't we?
0: Oh, my God, we sure did. Yeah, a lot of amazing, formative yeah. music. And um, you got me the Paul Barman CD, which was like a big moment where, like, wow, you can sound like a, a, a nerdy white person, but if it's cool and you have flavor, it's going to be totally. it's dope. And I, I have you to thank for, like, turning me on to that because that was, that was another informative moment.
1: I'll take that. <laughs> like, he's – yeah, he – he was really uh I remember seeing him on stage and and just being like who is this guy? Like you know, he's like scrawny white guy with big curly hair wearing like a basketball jersey and like yeah. doing like robotic moves. It was as great. I totally loved it. We didn't we didn't get a chance to meet him that night though, did we?
0: No, but he went to a right. panel the next day and I gave him my CD and Oh nice. I mean right. I was looking at colleges and I emailed him about what he thought about brown if i should apply there and like he was always nice to me but uh, yeah he, a nice guy but um no definitely like an influential guy but definitely someone who's distanced himself from the nerd core scene he doesn't want to be the the godfather of it which is understandable right. you know yeah 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 you, you yeah know. um that's fair
1: i heard an interview with him uh on I remember what podcast it was but yeah he was he kind of talked about that a little bit and, and uh
0: Fair enough. Yeah, it Keep sense. it moving, yeah. Paul. Not
1: not what he's trying to associate with, I guess. Um,
0: That's what's up, Sean.
1: Uh, we so yeah, we were both on the radio though, right? And I did my show with Ian for a while, and you were with Chris for most of your most of our time. Yeah, right? I
0: think three years. Well, so, sophomore year I had Thursday by myself, and then s- junior and senior year Chris and I did. Thursday and then Friday and um, Friday morning, which yeah. morning show was, I remember you did it with M- Michelle and you called it S in the morning, Sean and Michelle in the morning. You remember that? <laughs> so, so inappropriate.
1: So yeah, we did S M and in the AM and right, right. And at the time I'm like just this like junior in high school thinking like, Oh, this, this is a funny name. All I knew was that SM had something to do with sex. That's all, <laughs> that's all it meant. Right. And I was like, Oh, this is silly. And then, in retrospect, like, man, that was a pretty hardcore show name. I don't it's know. Diff-
0: times are different then, right? Times are different.
1: And the fact that they let me have that, let us have that show name.
0: I, well, but, but some people are probably like, oh, they don't know. They just think it's Sean and Michelle in the morning.
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know.
0: And because Metallica, Metallica had done the Symphony of Metallica albums, S&M Symphony of Metallica. Oh, around yeah.
1: And then and then yeah. I switched to doing a show with Marcus the next year. and kept the M name. I, I don't think we... Kept the name, though, but I got another M person. Um, Wow. Yeah. But I remember, like, especially the freshman in sophomore year, like, discovering, you know, who was it? The Getaway People. They were, like, my favorite. Do you remember them?
0: Yeah. What was their song?
1: They had a a song called Chocolate that I loved. She's like chocolate in my pocket.
0: Oh, yeah. In my step. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like and that. And here's another one, uh,
0: another band, Small World, is Zebrahead. You play the heck out of Zebrahead.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, definitely discovered them, um, and they're still touring,
0: right? Yeah, we did. I did two tours with them, like it's Small World scenario, okay. and I was so I yeah. thought it was so cool. I was touring with this band that you loved, that you got me. Into. Oh man, I
1: loved them. Totally loved them.
0: You had good taste, Sean. And um, we had... Let's talk a little bit about the dude who was the faculty dude who ran the theater program and the radio program who I've never met anyone like him in the world. And uh, Hamish Tyler.
1: Mr. Hamish Tyler. Man, that, that guy was... He's still like... He's such a... a Just was such a big part of the, the community in the Monterey Bay area and in the theater scene. Um, you know, because he... He ran the Force Theater Guild for many years as well. Um, he ran the radio station, and so the the station. It, it was this really interesting thing in our school. I felt like the, you know, the radio station had a lot of like kind of, like a lot of cool hip kids did it, and then like the theater scene had a bunch of like nerdy theater people. And there was right? some crossover people and, like
0: you and Sean Hart. And,
1: well, and, and but. Hamish kind of did, he, he united them in this in this weird, crazy way. Um, and, and he had this, he had this great way of pulling, pulling creativity out of people um, and being approachable. One of the shows we did, uh, Kiss Me Kate, um, ended up having a full run at the Forest Theater, mm. um, separate from, from the Stevenson run. So, I don't remember how, I think we did like, I don't know, 10 or 12 shows um, at the outdoor theater. And yeah, he was, he was something else. I, I have emailed with him back and forth a little bit, but he's another one, another one of those people that, you know, I wish I kept in better contact with.
0: Uh, Yeah. You know, I did something, he he was working at the, um, that school in Salinas and I did a few talks for his students. Like, oh, cool! Like the last one was a few years ago, and it, they put it on the website. And it was, and now that school's closed. But, um, he was always encouraging, always a little bit scary, and always what like, what school was it? It was called McKay, the Monterey Community Arts mm. Education, yeah, or something. Um, but he was someone who, like, you did if it was like someone like uh, who's Simon Cowell or something, like, you wouldn't want to make Hamish Tyler right. mad, and if you could impress him, oh, or make man. him laugh. But he was serious and like he loved his job, but also he was also like he had his favorites and he also was a intense, but he was a good teacher and he he made me, yeah, I never was cast in any plays, but he was always like, I feel like he he liked that I did my own thing, you know?
1: He was, he could be scary though. Like, yeah. And because he, you never knew if he was actually being scary or not. Like, um, when... When we were on the, uh, the the Oklahoma tour, right? Right. And so, talk about that real uh, quick. <laughs> oh man, uh, let's see. So that was the show we did junior year. Right. Was was Oklahoma, um, and and uh, I played Will, um, and I remember. I mean, we toured. We toured Great Britain during uh, that summer and uh, I don't remember how many schools we played but it was mostly these high schools that had us basically hosted us um, and one of the schools on the later part of the trip um, a bunch of people went out drinking and they weren't supposed to And and Hamish showed Whoops. up at this like weird little club we were at and man he was pissed but I don't know if he was actually pissed I think he was just But he scared
0: the shit out of me. And one of the schools had, um, they had come and performed the Tempest at our school. So it was like an exchange program where we would. That's right. And since England, the schools go so late into the summer, it was like their schools were still in session and we did performances. I was a farmer, cast member, chorus member. Right. Um, Well,
1: and and I felt like, because you spent so much time in Great Britain after high school, right? Yeah, Um, man doing shows. And, and I, I remember thinking like, this is, it's almost a similar circuit to what we, what we did. I don't know
0: if it was, but didn't you have some contacts? Um, that's overlap. A, oh, that's a good question. Um, we've, I played a lot of the same towns, you know, ended up going to a lot of the same towns. Okay. I never really kept in touch with anyone, but it was like touring England became, became like something I've done consistently every year since right. then. But it was really fun like to have, yeah, all these kids and, like, where the drinking age is lower there. Of course, some kids went out and Maybe. partied, and there was a whole blowback because in past summers, kids were able to go drink, but our year was the first where they couldn't, so people were kind of being rebellious, I guess, going to the pub.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and were,
0: <clears throat> were you there that night that we all got caught? I was not out. I was. Okay. Was But, but, but some people got yeah. in trouble and some didn't, right? That's what was crazy about oh, it.
1: Oh, yeah, some people, like, hid in the bathroom and – They never got caught, and
0: no one ended up. No one snitched on people who were supposed to who were there, right? No,
1: no, people were pretty. Yeah, people were pretty good about it. Because I I think that the faculty also knew it was kind of a, like, like ah, these kids are still of legal drinking age here, and I think they knew it was kind of a, a a ridiculous thing that we had to lock it down, but they did and um and so I don't think they wanted to investigate and get people to rat out other people too much.
0: No, and, and I remember and then there was this thing called the Judiciary Committee where so the kids who hadn't graduated oh man had to go in front and like it's like it was like court for the prep school kids. And so did you have to do that? Totally. Were you one of the kids who had to get J C'd or no?
1: I don't recall having to be J C'd, but I was definitely like I was in trouble. So why wouldn't I
0: maybe they liked you enough that i mean
1: because yeah i don't know uh oh you know what i i maybe i didn't so i was staying at a host Uh, family and it may have been that like i i went home with the host family and just like nobody wrote my name down i I don't remember exactly wow sean that's crazy
0: (laughs) maybe i was one
1: of the people that didn't get in trouble i don't remember Um,
0: I remember, well, I won't name him, but the next day on—well, I will. Joey, the next day on the bus, he was yeah. like drink, drinking yeah. vodka from his 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 water thermos, sharing it. I was like, man, so yeah. unfair. Like the rules, Wait, like what do you do? Like some people, yeah. and it was just like high school is teaches you that like it's all about context, and that really like some people who were like trying to get into Harvard and stuff. I feel like having that on their record didn't help them with their college stuff
1: no not at all i mean it was it was a pretty big deal i mean i like people who went through jc a, a number of people like who ended up getting kicked out before their senior year like changed their entire trajectory which is super unfortunate um
0: but for even just like drinking or cheating on tests or smoking weed like it was yeah because it was a the school a boarding school they had to really legally they couldn't that put up with it but it was like if a kid were on a scholarship they would not be kicked out they would be more likely to be kicked out than a rich kid yeah like if they remember that one that guy ran for a candidate and someone posted inappropriate pictures and the person who emailed the pictures got kicked out but not the dude who had the idea and did the whole thing i won't name who that was the
1: the school was i mean it, it was obviously it's a great school but it's also like it's it was strict it was it was pretty intense
0: sean another high school memory is the wilderness trip, because sophomore year, they threw us in the woods for two weeks with tarps oh, and food. And you and I were in a group together that was the most intense. We hiked the most. It was yeah. it was like the most brutal but amazing trip. Let's talk about the wilderness experience.
1: It was so – like, I, you know, we we used to go on a lot of hikes, but there was something different about that. And we had – you know, Faye was our leader, right? Um, the right. Dean. And – um and yeah, it was it was I don't know how many people there were on the trip eight eight of us maybe eight to ten on in our group yeah and uh, it was a bunch of people that had never never done any backpacking before um, and and yeah they really threw us out there and and you know like made us <laughs> really went for it and it was like
0: we did like eighty miles in ten days in the rain yeah and it's
1: like you know. No, you know, no toilet. I remember, like, no, oh, use a stick, no toilet paper. Like, this is the type of backpacking it was. Do you remember that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and hand sanitizer. Now they go to like in the spring to like Gilroy in the in the foothills for like three days. Oh really? Oh man, it was. They don't do Ventana because it's burned up. You know. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I I remember seeing bears, um, uh, but it was super. Like I remember everything about it.
0: It was scary and crazy, but really, I feel like. Doing that with you, it's like I'll never forget that because we grew up together. It was a big grow gr- for me. It was like a gro- growing up experience. And I remember mm-hmm. at one point I was the dude who was always trying to get the everyone moving so we get to the camp before sunset. Oh, I remember yeah. once you wanted a rest because your shoe was untied, and I went to try to tie your shoe for you, and you like were like, "No, Andrew, I got it." And I realized like having panicky energy to force to push people to do stuff is like not helpful. That was a lesson you taught me that too, man. Taught me many lessons.
1: Yeah, I. Yeah, it was. Uh- I I just remember like yeah the solo the solo expedition thing was just like it almost like I learned how to meditate there you know like mm. I didn't know about med- did. I didn't know about meditation but you were kind of forced into it and then it's like oh, okay and I get it now and yeah all these letters from all over uh, that's Tyshawn yeah I had some family members as well that I hadn't talked to in a long time that wrote me letters and yeah good memory
0: did you do it Did you go as a leader senior year or no?
1: No, I couldn't because it conflicted with the plays. Right. Um, I remember I was so yeah I was so jealous of, of folks that did the leader. Did you?
0: Yeah, and we had the thing where that girl fell down the cliff, and we we had to hike out and get a helicopter and helicopter out. Do you remember this? Oh, and that
1: and that was in your group.
0: Yeah, we had to hike. It was crazy. Oh, wow. We had to hike to the camp. There, this because they. Right, emergency cell phones, but some genius hadn't charged the batteries. Oh God! So we had to hike down to the camp, find a random guy who was camping in a truck at 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 um, Kirk Creek Camp, and then he took us to a place where on the payphone I had to call nine one one, and then wait for the people, and then the hike with the paramedics, and then show get the helicopter to get her out of the ravine. It was that was Holy scary. Crap. I had to lead the expedition that's, to get her out.
1: That's Woo. insane. I remember hearing about it. I don't yeah. remember hearing all of those details. That's that's insane.
0: And that was uh, on the first day, man, and because the path was kind of uneven, and I always wish that like. So wait, she I, fell
1: I, down down a ravine. Did she break like and broke her
0: leg, or she rolled and broke her arm. And and but the thing was, she hit her head, so we didn't know if it was her spine or oh. you know we couldn't walk her out.
1: Oh jeez.
0: And we and we all climbed in the ravine and did like all the emergency training stuff, but like that was crazy. And then, huh. and this was funny. One of the kids, you know, this is makes me kind of emotional, and like it's one of those memories, like you weren't allowed to sneak in food or like candy or anything. Mm-hmm. And a kid had snuck in cliff bars. And I remember when we were waiting for the uh, paramedics, he gave me one of his contraband cliff bars, <laughs> one of the sophomores. It was like a moment of solidarity.
1: Yeah. It's so funny. I, I remember, yeah, you weren't allowed to bring in your own stuff, but like, I mean, it's good that you had that cliff bar. Probably you were in a emergency situation.
0: I know. No, that was, it was like, I remember that was like a, Bonding moment, and I remember the two kids who came down with me were really freaking brave and fast because we had to run out mm. four miles down the hill, then run up with the with the paramedics, and it was scary, man. And those kids were like brave, and it was also an adventure, but like to get in a car with a stranger.
1: We did a uh, trip to Mount Shasta. I didn't get all the way up; uh, only one of the two groups did. But
0: and and it was interesting being on the leadership side because I realized like the people who led our year didn't really know. I mean, it's like, we were just improvising the whole time. I remember going Mm -hmm. out there being like, oh, there's a plan, but we had no idea. We had the map (laughs) and, and Mr. Olson knew, but like, yeah, it was nuts. But the crazy thing is one of the women, one of the kids who, this woman, Ancha Thompson, who graduated a few years before us, she later was the camp director at the summer camp I worked at at Lake Tahoe because I'd done that as a leader. It's, I think it's what helped me get hired because she knew. So that was like, that was a small world yeah
1: i i remember i had i brought um we weren't supposed to bring you food you mentioned right i brought right uh, right i a, one jolly rancher on my um <laughs> on my uh, solo expedition and i remember it like yeah i put it in my water and it lasted me the whole time i remember like it was somehow a saving grace to have a little bit of strawberry flavoring in my water it was oh, it was awesome wow <laughs> Like, I remember th- being thankful for that one Jolly Rancher on that trip. It's like my sustenance. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gratitude for something simple. Yeah. You know, I Sean, I had this memory of you throwing, we're sitting at, sitting at the river, and I remember you, like, threw a rock or something, and I had this memory thinking, like, about how this might sound kind of like a hippie thing, but, like, the river, like, how time is longer than us, all the people who'd been hiking before us will come after, and how, like, we are just a blip on this. And it get, and it was like this moment of like, wow, mm-hmm. this is a precious moment. And I remember yeah. si- seeing you sitting on the side of the river, <laughs> throwing the rock in the river and like, yeah, I'll never forget that. I have, I think I have a picture of that.
1: I took it for granted at the time, but y- y- you probably have experienced the same thing where like we were surrounded by so much beauty down there. And, and yeah, it was so yeah. old, right? Like the, the, the rivers and the rocks and the mountains that we had access to. The redwoods. Were, yeah, man. It's, um, it's beautiful. We, I, uh, one, one hike that my mom and I used to do a lot was the one down to Pine Valley from China camp. Did you ever do that?
0: It sounds familiar. That sounds familiar.
1: So it was, it was a short kind of, it's five or six miles in and, and back, but it's, um, down into this, into this valley. and opens up in this beautiful meadow and, um, <clears throat> and, I took Michelle out there many years ago it was like our first backpacking trip together. And it's like, it really is like, there's nowhere like that else in the world. Like it's, it's beautiful out there.
0: Uh, I mean, it's, it's what, it's what saved Kerouac, right? I mean, when he wrote his last great book, it's like he was done, he was drinking himself to death and he came down there to write this opus that was mm. like this, this finale in his career that it's like kind of a beautiful, sad book. And I, I, I still have dreams that like I'm at a lake somewhere and I climb up the mountain and I'm in Ventana and I'm <laughs> by myself and I'm having wow. to explore. Cause I always, I always imagined I would go back there and hike and write, but I really haven't other than like little day trips gone on, gone as deep into the wilderness ever again. And your teenage years are full of things like that, that feel like oh, I'll do this a million times, but no, right. it's each one is singularly special, right?
1: You really have to yeah, uh, be super intentional about it. I think, um, yeah, because it is it's far enough out there where you can't just like go on a whim. And and like I said, Michelle and I went out to Pine Valley, but we haven't gone out there since. I mean, obviously, we don't we live up in Seattle now, but even when yeah. we were living in, in San Francisco, we were close enough that we could have. But like it's it's a it takes a lot of planning and and it's it's not like just going to a day hike in Garland, you know
0: it takes planning and like it takes a partner that's cool you and michelle like both love doing that that's dope she's awesome i've enjoyed the times i've gotten to hang out with her she
1: she enjoys her time with you too
0: sean i have something i wanted to clear the air about that um i needed to tell you this and i wanted to apologize for this okay i did something horrible and i feel horrible about this i rsvp'd for your wedding i was gonna come And I was on the list. You invited me like a great friend. You you added me and paid for the meal and everything. And last minute, I couldn't make it and I canceled. And that's a horrible thing to do. And I'm so sorry, dude. Don't
1: sweat it. It's I don't (laughs) even I not no worries at all, man. I thank you, but don't don't sweat it. Um, You were missed. You were definitely missed. But but don't even sweat it. And I'm sorry that we we couldn't make it to yours. It was. A pretty hectic couple of weeks uh, we really wanted to go um i remember chatting with chris about it um afterwards and he he filled me in on all the all the details but uh yeah we were super bummed to miss it
0: oh okay so we're even then yeah it's all good <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't but you didn't tell me you were coming and that was like you RSVP that you couldn't so oh it's just something i've always well, thought about like uh i wanted to apologize and i'm glad we could clear the air on the podcast you just
1: had a wedding you know that that's there's
0: had people who bounced it bailed at the end yeah
1: we had a solid um we had a solid stevenson contingency at the at the reception though was, it was fun
0: that's what's up i haven't seen your mom since high school graduation i you know it's like like yeah and like all some of those people i used to see tyler a lot um i saw ben one one new years he played drums with me um yeah. i haven't seen marcus since like 2006 yeah no 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 no, no. that's not true the, the 2011 reunion I I was there and he was there. That was the last time I saw him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw a few of them at, at my wedding, but that's I think, you know, that was definitely the last time I s- was it the last time I saw Marcus. Uh I guess Ben's wedding was after that. So, I saw them there. I saw Chris, Chris at, at my wedding. Um and he came up to Seattle. Yeah.
0: He you know, he was a guest on the podcast. I don't know if you heard that or if I told you
1: i oh I, I listened. it was awesome.
0: Sean, what did you end up majoring in in college and like, what are you doing these days when you're not being a Renaissance man of the Northwest?
1: <laughs> that's that's very kind. Um, uh, so uh, my my major, um was video game development. I originally originally went up there for broadcast journalism to to um, Paul uh-huh. um, and that was radio stuff, right? Um, I switched over to video game dev uh, after. Year and a half or so, um, and and finished up my degree there. Um, and it was kind of a as very much a a period of time in in like more formal education for video game dev, where people were trying to figure out what those programs should look like. And so at the time, it was very much a like let's let's do a little bit of everything. Let's do some design, animation, modeling, rigging, production, etc. And now it's a lot more specialized. So I, I came out of there with with um, a pretty good base, but uh, I ended up not doing anything in, in video games um, right out of school. Um, I ended up at, at Google instead working on the maps project, which is like.
0: it's awesome. But, you know,
1: at the time I was like, well, this is this, this is great. Um, and and I did maps for four years um, up here in the Seattle area and uh, like, did a lot, worked on a lot of really cool stuff. Um, uh, the ski resorts, ski resort mapping that you see right now, that was our team, um, a bunch of specialized things like that. Um, and and when we were moving, when I was moving down to the Bay Area, um, I was looking at within Google, but I also decided to look elsewhere. And um, I ended up uh, getting a job at a hardware development firm and I've been doing that ever since. So, so I was at Google up here in Seattle, and then we went um, when I moved down to the Bay Area. We were looking at other places, and I ended up at a hardware development firm down there um, called Lime Lab at the time. And um, and so I moved into hardware, and I haven't haven't looked back. And when I say hardware, I mean mostly consumer electronics, um, some medical devices. It's basically doing the engineering work behind. Uh, behind the design so mechanical electrical firmware engineering is 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 what the firm does so um, I um, I'm a program manager um, and uh, I was at um, lime lab for a few years and then now up here in Seattle I'm at a place called synapse and it's a similar firm um, similar group of clients but just working on like really cool fun and interesting stuff um, it's' You know basically getting things ready for manufacturing, so you know, not just like 3D printing a part but making it you know manufacturable a million times over. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's it's always very variable. So, whereas if you're working at you know a single company, you're probably um, you know, you're working on the same thing or the same group of products for the entire time, and and you know, I've worked on Cell phone accessories, video game controllers, uh, personal beauty devices, um, you know, medical products.
0: So is this like the Internet of Things or is that different?
1: It is related to IoT. Um, generally speaking, most most consumer products nowadays that are developed um, will likely have some IoT component to them. Right. Um, so, yes, sometimes... Um, the last couple products I've worked on have not have not fallen into that category, um, but uh, uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely some of that. Um, the yeah, what can I say about it? I, we, unfortunately, I can't talk about the products themselves um, because we're you know we're pretty hardcore about the confidentiality of our clients because we have um, a very diverse uh, client base, but um, just like. Generally speaking, all sorts of fun stuff, right? Um, I mentioned video game controllers. Um, uh, I, because of my background, um, it's it's a pretty unique crossover for me where I can apply some of the stuff I worked on in college and also um, the hardware background that I have. So, um,
0: that's that's, so cool. you kind of became an engineer or a product designer.
1: I, I am not an engineer. Um, I I work. I manage manage projects that have engineers yeah. working on them. So. Um, I, I can get pretty technical, but I, I have thought about going back to school, potentially to do some engineering work, um, particularly in the area of soft goods, fabrics and foams and things like that. Um, yeah. I've done a lot of pretty interesting products that involve fabrics. Um, but so far, that's that's not where I'm headed. I'm, I'm doing program management right now.
0: Did you like your years living in Chicago?
1: Oh, man, I loved and hated Chicago at the same time. I absolutely love right. the culture and the people in Chicago. Um, the weather is brutal, and don't let right. anyone tell you otherwise. Um, it's mm. it's like I I think I came to the realization after year eight, where I was like, you know, I can deal with this weather, but I don't I don't have to. <laughs> so right. I think I'm gonna leave, and that really was it. I I just kind of up and up and left and moved to Seattle. Um, After I graduated and finished all the stuff I was working on, I, I still, we still go back to Chicago every year. Um, I still have a ton of friends there. You know, we, we go to, we try to go to every
0: year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I think Michelle and I have been back at least once a year since we started dating. Um, And yeah, some of my very good friends still live there. You know, we try to go to a couple Cubs games every year. So I'm still a big Cubs fan.
0: So does Seattle feel like home. Do you want to spend the rest of your life up there?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like after I moved down to the Bay area, um, to be with Michelle, we, we were there and it was pretty quick where we kind of realized like, eh, if this is, if this is going to work out, if this is going to be a long term thing, I think Seattle is, feels a little more like home. Um, I absolutely yeah. love San Francisco, but I feel like it's, it's always on, you know, it's, it's, there's, it's fast paced and it's, you always have to be kind of, if you're outside, you're on. And uh, I don't feel like that in Seattle. I feel a little That's more mellow. a good mellow. way to put
0: it. The difference between San Francisco and New York is that San Francisco is kind of full of itself and no disrespect, but like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you're in San Francisco, you're welcome. Right. Yes. Try not to step on the human feces and like, right. try not to like get your car broken into again. Totally. New York kind of has this, this subtle, like keep it moving. Like it's okay. Just do you. And, um, it's different energy and Seattle. I love because it doesn't have either of those. It's more just like beautiful, but like a big, great city. Yeah. That that is, but also proud of itself. Totally.
1: It does. It does. It is missing. Like, so New York is obviously there's the East coast kind of mentality of like, people are not, people don't beat around the bush, not just in New York. It's anywhere, right? Anywhere on the East coast. They're, they're very upfront and direct about things. And, and that can, (laughs) that's true. And that is the exact opposite of here. Everyone is, subtle and, and weird about like there, nobody's direct <laughs> about anything in Seattle takes it to the extreme. <laughs> um, people won't, you know, like, have you heard of the Seattle freeze? People no. have really, people have a really hard time meeting new friends here. Um, oh. and, and it's totally real. Like people are passive aggressive and don't like talking to you directly about any issues they have where in New York people are like, no, you're doing it wrong. Stop. Right. Um,
0: No, that's true. I meant the first time I realized that was my first bass player when I moved. This dude from Jersey, who I had on the podcast, his name's Rob. He would say he would laugh and he'd go, (laughs) he'd go, he go, he go. You're such an asshole, Andrew. You're such an asshole. And that means I love you in Jersey, like this. But I remember I said that once to a friend from 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 San Francisco in a loving way, and he looked so hurt and sad. I was like, (laughs) no, I meant that I like you. I'm like, wow, you just different language. called me an asshole. Yeah, and the West Coast—that means I don't like you. you. You like just ran over my dog, right? So you're an. Ass. Well, and
1: <laughs> and we were so <laughs> where we lived in San Francisco. We lived like right, right outside of the Tenderloin, and so it was like, Ooh. just all the time, right? And um, right. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know if I, if I were to move back, I would probably rethink location a little bit. But I do love San Francisco so much, and we have a ton of friends down there, but. Um, I think Seattle's home for sure. We, we got a house up here now and, and it's, it's beautiful up here, man. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Y'all are welcome to come visit anytime.
0: Thank you, Sean. (laughs) I know I'd love, Ashley loves the Northwest. We like, we want to come up there and spend
1: time. We got a room for you if you want to come up.
0: Thanks, Sean. Um, man, it's like every time I've seen you in the past decade plus past two decades, almost. Yeah. Two decades. Um, it's always at a show and it's always quick and it's always, or it's like a breakfast somewhere the next morning. And, you, totally, and yeah. you've always been such a great friend in that you, you always rep the MC Lars and like come to the shows. <laughs> and like, I'm always so proud to see you there and you've always been such a great friend to me. And I you've always someone who inspired me and believed in me and showed me love and like kind of put up with me and like, are you're one of my favorite people in the world. And I, the moments I get with you over the years, priceless and like the fact that you had time to talk to me and get set up and do this it's, it's really means a lot sean you're an important person to me and like i i just love you a lot and i wanted to say that so that's what's well, up thanks buddy i love
1: you too man it's been thanks. it's it's been really awesome and um kind of inspiring watching your whole journey i mean i like when i went off to school in chicago and like seeing you i remember taking the l or taking the bus maybe like for like a really long time to go to a venue way way west um uh, from where i was living and like this bar i had never been to and it was like a weird place and i remember like where am i and yeah. and it was like oh there's my buddy andrew you know um and i think that was one of the earlier shows i saw yet and and i think next time i saw you, you were at a different venue in chicago but um just seeing your evolution over the years has been super amazing and, and always something I'm proud to tell people about. Oh, um, And yeah, it's, it's definitely awesome keeping, keeping uh, tabs on you. And I'm always glad to see you when, when I go to shows.
0: Thank you, Sean. Well, it's like special that we've been in touch. And I think one of my favorite things about touring is having gotten to like connect with friends like you and more mm-hmm. than, more than if, if, if we, if I never got to travel, you know, I like, yeah,
1: I always get to see people at your shows that I I never get to see <laughs> like Graham. Um, I I think I yeah whenever whenever you're in Seattle I get to see Graham and that's awesome. Yeah, um, I think like I think I went to one of your shows in Austin maybe, and I think I we saw some people there. I've I've seen a bunch of random high school folks at at your shows and it's always like
0: oh look at this look at look at Andrews up yeah. there you know. It's wait great. wait wait where were you living in Austin or were you just there for Southfire? visiting no
1: i was i was not even for south by although it did um i think we were there the week before um i was there visiting some a friend for for spring break and it just uh, happened to be there yeah you just happened to be playing a show um and i don't even i think i i don't even know if we caught the show it may have been that i met you afterwards because i feel like i remember talking to you afterwards and going to a bar and hanging out for a little while um yeah, because I don't think I saw the show there. I think I saw you afterwards outside.
0: Have you been in touch? Speaking of Austin, do you ever talk to Brody Wickstead? <laughs>
1: uh, the last time I saw him was in a diner in Tucson, Arizona. Right. Uh, when he was in school there and I was visiting my family. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's the last time I've really seen him. But I, I think we, you know, I keep tabs on, on him on Facebook.
0: He, he I... S- he came to my show in Austin and he's selling cars now, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw
0: that. That's what's up Brody? That's, that was, wait, didn't,
1: yeah. Did he and I have a radio show?
0: I don't know, but you two were very similar with your music taste. I wouldn't, you both were like same kind of like loved electronic music, you know?
1: Yeah. We were homies for sure. Um, he's, I mean, that that guy, yeah, he and I, he and I were real close. Um, but I, I, just, I don't remember if we did a show. I think maybe like a halfway through the year, swapped over and and started doing a show with Brody. Brody, if you're listening, you got to remind me uh, <laughs> w- when we did a show together. I want to say it was like maybe the second half of senior year or something
0: like that. He did a he did a record, uh, and I did a whole series. I I used to have a show on Sirius Radio, and I did a whole episode about him and like playing all his songs. And that's they. <laughs> awesome. they- they canceled my show because it was, wait what? Because it was so his songs were kind of like offensive <laughs> and un, not recorded well, and they they were thinking about taking me off anyway. But that show, I remember, he got all his friends to listen, and then oh, they didn't air it, and then, and then I was like not on the air anymore. I was like, all right, well, oh, man, I wish I could have given Brody that serious love because <laughs> yeah. he, he he has some good raps. The guy's a creative dude. Yeah, I remember he's he.
1: uh, he posted something. way he's he's super into longboarding, and he posted something about boosted boards, which is a like a, a motorized longboard company out of San Francisco, and um, and I remember like looking at it and going like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I started working in hardware, and now I know like oh. a bunch of people that have worked at boosted, uh, and and it's funny because it, I remember him posting about it. He's he introduced me to it, and I didn't, knew nothing about it. Is that like
0: skateboarding? Uh, and, or
1: yeah whatever. yeah so yeah longboard skateboards right yeah
0: that's what's uh, up because
1: he used to be really into like oh yeah competitive downhill like really aggressive intense like fast yeah like terrifying videos um
0: that's what's up. awesome
1: but terrifying
0: that guy is a guy who lives life to the fullest he told me about once yeah he was in egypt and he went um he went away from the tour group and was just crawling through this pyramid. And later he told them and uh, that he shouldn't have gone through this maze in the pyramid. First of all, there's traps that the Egyptians set for people who were going gra- to rob graves. Secondly, it was full of cobras in this. What? He told me a story. Like, he's the king of great stories. And uh Jeez. Brody. Brody, yeah. come on. That's a fearless kid. <laughs> Where can people like... I don't know. Follow you on social media, or
1: unless anyone wants to jam on the uke with me, I'm not really doing too much out there creatively right now. Um, Unfortunately, I yeah, it's it is what it is. I I I enjoy playing music periodically, but nothing.
0: Well, if anyone, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll play. Let's play "Party on the Moon."
1: Yeah, for sure. I want to hear this,
0: Sean. Where did Quinn come from as a nickname?
1: Yeah, Quinn is my middle name. Um, oh. Sean, my I have two middle names: Sean Jeffrey Quinn Levin, and uh, I spell it differently legally And for whatever reason. I decided I only wanted one N, so right. I don't I don't know why. I was just, but yeah, my name spelled Q U I N N. Technically,
0: here's why I asked this because I remember Ho yun our friend, our yeah. he was a a kid, a Korean kid who joined our class and was like really special awesome friend he would always call you he would always talk about the quinn levin thing because that was like your nickname yeah it was my aol fact,
1: my aol handle
0: and the fact that you held on so hard to quinn levin i was like i need to come up with pseudonym let's, th- let's think lars horace <laughs> and that was like an inspiration for me coming up with my fake name but i didn't know it was actually your middle name yeah it's so yeah, actually yeah. tight yeah okay. it was
1: i the, yeah
0: quinn levin on A, Lev. at aol yeah yeah, yeah quinn levin sean Say hi to Michelle for us. Good to
1: talk to you, buddy. This
0: is killer. This is tight. Thank yeah. you for all your time. So so um, here is Party on the Moon.
1: I'm Sean, and are
0: You're all invited to my party on the moon. That's tight. The chorus, we reference Weird Al, and later I would do a song with Weird Al. Who knew? Life is crazy. Thank you, Sean. I love you, bro. I hope to see you soon. Thanks for being on the podcast. Next week is the 100th episode. Holler! 100 episodes of the MC Lars podcast. Thank you to everyone who's been with me on this journey. And guess who we got? We're a pretty big guy. We got MC Chris, a dude I've worked with a lot who I haven't toured with for a little bit, but uh, he's done a lot for me, so it was cool to sit down and talk with him. Tune into that. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Wear your masks. This COVID stuff will be over by 2047. Huh! <laughs> Hopefully before that. But anyway, uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Peace.